Luke chapter 6, verse 37. <clears throat> you know, the past several verses here in Luke, uh, Jesus has been teaching us how to live as his followers. As I mentioned in communion, that the focus of the New Testament church was actually following Jesus Christ. It wasn't just about being saved, but now how do you live this new life? In other words, the proof that we're saved is that we're born again, that Christ is now in us, the holy seed is now in us, and now that starts to grow within us, and we should respond to that. That's the very proof, that's the evidence that we are born again. And Jesus is starting to talk to disciples and saying, if you're a true disciple, this is kind of what your life is going to look like. If you're not a true disciple, if you're not a true follower of Jesus Christ, then this is what your life is going to look like. So, in verse 20, Jesus says that following him in this life will often lead to being in poverty, to be hungry, to go be weeping, as well as being hated, being excluded and insulted and being rejected. Who wants to sign up for that one? Well, that's what you sign up for when you say, I decide to follow Christ in this world because he is light and the world is darkness. But he also comforts us uh, because he promises that the kingdom of God is ours and that we will be satisfied and we will, we will laugh and that we, when we experience these things at the hands of the world, we should rejoice because great is our reward in heaven. And that is the context of these promises he gives us is that, that this is the time of sowing. This is the time um, where we are putting things into the ground, and we will eventually reap those great rewards. So just think of what's going on right now in our valley. How many of you are putting, have put in some gardens and are, are planting stuff and, and all that kind of stuff? Everybody's like shaking their head, like, yes, I wish I didn't do that. Like, why in the world am I doing this? I could spend less money at the, you know. Anyways, we have fun anyways. But there's such joy in putting something in the ground and watching the fruit come up and then actually tasting it. You know, actually having it, you know, uh, to actually eat what you've actually put into the ground. You know, but there's a certain time between when we put that seed in the ground and we actually experience the, the harvest. There's a time. That's the way God has put this, ordained this world. There's a reaping and a sowing going on. And John has been planting in, in our garden. My son John has been planting a garden. We're looking at these packets of radishes. And how many of you have looked at them? And some say 20 days, and some say 24 days, and from the time you put it in the ground until harvest, and um, guess which ones we planted? Both. But I mean, I'm just like, just get her done, you know, it's like, put the ones in there sooner, you know. You know, but same with the tomatoes, there's ones that take longer to develop, there's ones that are are quicker, and um, it takes time no matter what you plant, doesn't it? It takes time. Um, in the kingdom, now is the time of planting, waiting, suffering, rejection, the lack. You're just, there's nothing there. Now's that time. Because our eyes are fixed upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. In Revelation uh, 22, verse 12, Jesus says to the church, or he says to us believers, Look, I'm coming soon, and my reward is with me. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And so our reward is with Jesus. He is coming soon. He's going to give us according to what we have done, what we have put in the ground. We will reap. Amen? In the positive. 
I will, I, well, the things that we've done for Christ that we can't even remember, He remembers them all. It's as if we went in a forest somewhere and, and scattered seed of good deeds and the things that God has called us to do, and then we left and we forgot all about Him. He did not forget about those things. He's recorded every single time we've, we've obeyed, every, every time we've responded to the Holy Spirit, every time we've, we've obeyed Him and, and, and sowed seeds, seeds into the kingdom. And I know I can use that terminology, and it can be used really weird in charismatic circles. That's not the kind of, you know, give us your $10,000 and He'll give you $2 back. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But sowing seeds in the kingdom means, well, we're going to lay it out here for, for a bit. But basically, the Lord is going to reward us for what we do now in this lifetime. As I look at poverty, for example, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, meaning not living for the riches of this life. Not living for the riches of this life. And as I choose to follow Jesus in this way, becoming poor that others might become rich, When I live that way, I'm planting a seed in the ground today, and Jesus will call me before his throne one day and hand out the fruit of that seed, the reward of that seed is with him that that I planted here and now, that you planted here and now. And so many of us live our, our Christian lives thinking it's just about being saved. And we have no idea that it's about discipleship. It's truly following that if we are saved, it will be evident in how we live. And, and, and my job as a pastor is to provoke you and to wake you up and to encourage you and point you to the Scripture and say, live holy, live on fire for Jesus Christ. You know, knock off this and start that and put on this and, do that. and all of it so that you will be blessed and He will be glorified in the end on that day. You might not see it now, but in the end, I want you to stand before His glorious throne and as he looks at you, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, and we read about that in Matthew, uh, when those who, you know, when he clothed the poor and he fed the hungry and visited those who were in jail. And they're saying, and Jesus is saying, when you did that to me, and, we're, and they're like, when did we do that to you? He says, when you did it to the least of your brothers. They didn't know they were planting seeds, and they didn't know. And and he says, now enter into your rest. You know, you've got this reward. But to those who did not do that, he said, you're not mine. So I think that it's, we aren't saved by our works, but I tell you what, if we aren't working, we're not saved. I just kind of lay it out like that. And there's seasons in our life where we kind of vacillate, where we we blow it. But if Christ is in us, he's going to be wanting to work through us, isn't he? And I think if we deny that, man, that's just, first of all, you're going to be miserable. Second, second of all, you're living contrary to the new life that Christ has given you. That's just, what a horrible life. And, 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 and thirdly, you're just missing out on the greatest things that God wants to do in and through you. And, the, and not only that now, but the rewards to come. Like I talked about last week, you know, uh, that, that illustration of John Piper when he's sitting in this pool and next to the ocean, he looks at his pole and he goes, this, this pool that he's in, it's not his pool, it's at some conference, but he's going, ah, oh, man's pool. And he looks out there and like, God's pool, you know, the ocean. You know, man's reward, God's reward. We, we, we think like God's like some, um, you know, like he's some corporate guy just making sure that he gets back what, you know, 
you know, oh, it's really rewards when actually it's like you come out even. No, he's like, he's just a giver. It's going to be awesome on that day when we are rewarded. And I think our degree of our ability to be able to serve him, and I base this on some scriptures there, uh, in that kingdom, in the next life, depends a lot. I think it depends wholly upon what we do now with what he's given us, whether it's service or whether it's a speaking gift. You know, however God's blessed you in the kingdom. So, as I look for, that, like, at, at poverty, you know, I don't want to be impoverished. I don't want to give. I want to have my Starbucks, and I want to do these things. But I tell you what, the heart that has been spoken to by Christ and says, I want you to lay down these things for this season. I want you to go without. And I want you to invest in the kingdom. I want you to invest in godly things. I want you to go help women who need a shelter. I want you to go help the poor. I want you to go help sponsor a missionary. I want you to lay down these things, or whatever it might be the Lord's saying to you. Or I want you to get up, and I want you to go help this person, or whatever it might be that the, the Lord has done that in your life, and that should be a blessing that He's even doing that in your heart. That's a sign that you're His. And get up and go obey, and you will reap the reward you know, we want it now, but what do we have to do? We have to wait until that day. Sometimes it is now. Sometimes He gives us rewards now. But that's not the big picture. What is faith? We love Him, but we haven't seen Him, but we will see Him. And that'll be sweet. So the Lord is teaching His disciples how to love and obey Him in this life and to live a life that glorifies God in how we think and what we say and what we do. That's just totally different than what I was before I was born again. It was a new life. Absolutely, it's a resurrected life. And so we read last week to love our enemies. Those who hate us, curse us, and mistreat us. We're to love those people with a God-given love. You know, did you run into anybody this past week that was your enemy, that, that hated you, that, that cursed you, that mistreated you? Did you run into anybody like that? I did. Anybody else run into someone? What did you do about that? Did you love them? Did you do good to them? Did you bless them? Did you pray for them? Did you lend to them? Did you give to them without expecting anything back? Did you do that? Did you love and obey Jesus by loving your enemies? Did you plant that seed? If so, Jesus says in verse 35, it says, Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Great is your reward. Because you are mimicking your heavenly Father who is kind and ungrateful to the wicked, who was kind and ungrateful to us at first. You know, I was challenged this, pa- this past week. I came out of the bank and, um, you know, strategically timed um, downtown, and I was met by a guy who was walking. He asked me for, for a dollar or two. And instantly I said no. I just said no, you know. I'm just like, I looked at him. I judged him. I knew what he would do with it. And I just said, no. And the Lord just said, you hypocrite. You know, what have I just teach us last week? Love your enemy, so to speak. That wasn't my enemy, but I just, 
give. Don't judge, just give. And I, and I know there's, there's discernment in how you do stuff, and I understand that, but that wasn't what the Lord was working on me about. He was working on my heart. Do you just automatically just... Remember when you were like that, Matt, spiritually? Remember when you were like that? Remember how I came to you and I gave to you and you wouldn't care anything about me and I took care of you and I clothed you and I fed you and I loved you and I gave you air to breathe and I gave you water to drink and I gave you food to eat and I gave you a family and a house and a home and, and sunshine and all this. You know, it's like you didn't care. But eventually my kindness caught up with you, didn't it? And so I was really challenged, you know, and, and I won't say what I did, but, you know, I obeyed the Lord. You see, I think these areas are, we've got to really not just read about them on Sunday morning, but we've got to live them out. And that's why, why the church is in such peril today is we are such hearers and not doers. And, and I stand as exhibit A. So I don't want to sit here and, and sit there and pretend like I am talking down. I am saying, crud, Lord, help. Change my heart. I think I've got it good with all you churchy people, Right? Seriously, Lord goes, I'm going to show you something else. I'm going to show you something else. Forgive me, Lord. You know, forgive us. And so in verse 37, be merci- 36, be merciful just as your Father in heaven is merciful. Now, again, I don't know whether that attached to the verse before or the after, but it's be merciful. Just be like your Father. And verse 37, it says, where we pick up today, do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured out into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And so how does this work? How does this work? How do I not judge, and how do, how, how do I not condemn, and how do I forgive, and how do I give, and what in the world is he talking about there? Um. The, he, the Lord gives us two do nots. He says, don't judge and don't condemn. So if you're taking notes like, you know, you should, um, because you're just not going to remember like I did last week. I even have my notes. Two things we're not to do. Don't judge and don't condemn. And then he gives us two things we are to do. He, what does he say? He says, forgive and give. So don't judge, don't condemn. And then here's two things he gives us to do is to forgive and to give. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. And Jesus gives us some little more perspective on what that means in verse 39. He says he also told them this parable. So to help clarify what I mean, here here we go. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. What in the world is Jesus saying? One of the commands that Jesus gave his disciples, by the way, and for all of us as well, is found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We know this one, the Great Commission, where Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is the risen Jesus standing in front of his disciples, and he gives them a command. He says, therefore, oh wait, all authority has been given to me. So in other words, I am Lord. This is not an option. This is not called the Great Option. It's called the Great Commission. And so what does he say? He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, all people groups, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to what? Obey everything I've commanded you. The disciples were to go and make disciples, and we are to go and make disciples. We are to work together towards that, right? All different giftings and parts. That's the idea of the church is we're all working with all the various things, some of us supporting us, some, some doing the works of the ministry behind, some people speaking, some people coming and providing counsel, some people helping pr- practically. We work together as one body together with the gospel, amen? Are you involved in that? Are you a part of that? Say yes and say amen. If not, repent and get on board. Amen. Because <laughs> this is the Great Commission, right? <laughs> uh, disciples were to make disciples not only by proclaiming the gospel and baptizing them, but also by teaching them now how to obey Jesus, all that Jesus said, right? Now they're teaching them how to follow. Now, if the disciples didn't know how to follow Jesus, and they're out there trying to tell people how to follow Jesus, Jesus is saying, you're both going to fall into a pit because the person you're teaching is going to become like you. And if you're lost, what's going to happen to you? You're going to fall into a pit. They're going to fall into a pit. He's like, don't, let's not do that. And so, are you blind? I think it's important. If you're blind, sometimes you don't know you're blind spiritually. Like I thought I had things together on loving your enemies. I was blind. Anybody else? Yeah. Your disciples are going to be just like you. So lacking discernment and misjudging and possibly condemning people is really a part of blindness, isn't it? Being spiritually blind, that you're judging people, condemning people, you're not discerning what's truly going on. So Jesus gives them a remedy for misjudging. Verse 41 41. It says, For why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Why are you looking at the little tiny microscopic thing in your brother's eye and you've got, you know, Home Depot's lumber department sticking out of your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take that speck out of your own eye and you're smacking him in the head with your two by four? When you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye, you hypocrite. You hypocrite. Who's Jesus talking to? Disciples. Sometimes he has to use really stark words to get our attention. I don't want to be called a hypocrite by Jesus, but the fact is, I know there's hypocrisy going on, and I need him to speak to me on that level. I need him to tell me what's going on. How many of you you just want to be told all the good and fluffy things all the time? Go to a different church. Go to a church that's going to be the wide and broad path or whatever it is. I want to the same thing in my life. I don't like it, but I need it. And I'll tell you what, I'm blessed by it. Amen? And so he says, why are you looking at, you know, you think you got everybody else figured out, you hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see what clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So, does, so real quickly, does the Lord say not to remove the speck from your brother's eye? No. He says, first do what? Take care of your own eye. Take care of what's going on in your own life first. And then you'll be able to help, be able to take them out, right? That's what we want to do, take that speck out of our brother's eye because that, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. So basically Jesus says, judge yourself first. Judge yourself first. Scrutinize your own life before the Lord before you go fixing the issue in your brother or sister's life. Amen? 
but I see it so clearly, Lord. I can just see it. Can't, I mean, everybody can see, we can see it. Just hold your horses there. Spend some time with me before you open that mouth and start setting a, a place on fire and just talk to me about this for, for a little bit. Open the word of God and say, Lord, this is what I see is going on. And I feel like I had to address this. Lord, could you please show me if I'm blind in this area? Because, and, and what's quite often is this, this happens, as a pastor, this happens all the time. You're in the word all the time. You see righteousness and you go out there and you judge people and you get, you go, the Lord goes, okay, now dummy, come over here. You know, no, no, he doesn't say that. He goes, come here. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me show you what went wrong there and, and why that was said this way. And, and quite often I'm right in my perception, but I'm wrong in how I say it. The motive for what I'm, what I'm doing. Does anybody have that going on? You know it's a principle, but the way that you express how it's supposed to be addressed is just in the flesh. It's about judgment, not restoration. It's not about that person's heart. It's about you being inconvenienced. Anyone else have that stuff going on or whatever might go on? Yeah, I think this is kind of the, the heart of what's going on. It might be when you run into that brother or sister who's got that issue that you can't see clearly and you can't discern what's going on. And this is really the passage of what, of what is going on is that Christ, if, uh, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're a disciple, you're going to be in the Word. The Word is going to be working on your life. And, and Hebrews tells us that we're going to start to have great discernment in our life as we chew it and use it every day. We're going to have more and more discernment regarding good and evil. That's a paraphrase. And, and by nature of the word is it's just going to want to come out. It's going to go. And you start evaluating life and people and situations through the word of God. That's just how it works. But I still have my dumb flesh that needs to be crucified and put in its place every day. And so it might be that you are coming at this because you know what the Bible says and they had better get in line. All the while, you are blind to your own motives and possible sin that is greater than theirs. It is, it, it's blinding you. And you feel emboldened and you feel like you can open your mouth and begin to judge them. And, and, and Jesus says, hypocrite, take the plank out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly. Then you will see clearly. You see, quite often good things can, can, can be... Um, the Lord can put good things in our hearts, the desire to help our brothers, but sometimes we, we've got a, 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 a bunch of other crud in the way that we've got to get out of the way before we can really go do what God's called us to do. And it's just hard work. It's just hard work sometimes to, to stop and just to, to really let the Lord evaluate you. And, you know, to tell you the truth, I know I'm just talking a little bit here, sometimes you just... You need to just be quiet and let things go and let the Lord deal with it. Amen. You know what I mean? Anybody else have that? Sometimes you just need to just, if you don't have the, the Spirit, if you're not in the Spirit, shut your mouth. You know, be careful. But I think also on the other end, we get so tied up to where we never edify one another. And people just continue on in stuff, and yet the body of Christ is what's supposed to be the, 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 I think the Holy Spirit is supposed to fill us to the point where we are filled with the gifts and we are filled with discernment and we're filled with love enough to actually speak into someone's life and say, dude, you're killing us. Knock it off. In maybe a nicer way. But I mean, 
you know what I mean? There's just this collective, you're hurting the body of Christ, you're hurting your family, you're, you just, this is not glorified. God, let's, come on, let's go. And I know uh, Galatians 6 wants this restored in a spirit of, of gentleness, right? And be careful that we don't fall into the same trap, which is possible. And so just, we got to be able to see clearly. And so the Word of God is like a pool. It's like a mirror that we go into, and, and we're able to see um, ourselves more clearly. And as we do, um, we, we take out the planks out of our own eyes by the work of the Spirit. I think another thing we do is we, is we go to a brother or sister and say, you know what, this is going on. Not a gossip thing. Gosh, we can gossip. Don't do that. This is truly like, this is going on. I've got a person I'm, I'm addressing, and this is what I'm saying. Do you see, am I, am I blind? And don't go to a person who's going to tell you, oh, you're never blind. You're awesome. You're beautiful. Have a nice day. Don't go to that person. Go to the person who's going to speak truth into your life from the word and who loves you, not just by words, but by action. And so the next time you uh, size someone up at church or in your family or on the street and you begin to figure out just what's wrong with them and what they need to do, slow down their lumberjack, you know, and, and see if you have a sequoia in your own eye. And then with a heart set on forgiveness and giving, forgiveness and giving, forgiveness and giving, not judgment and condemnation, forgiveness and giving, go to them in that spirit of humility and restore them gently. And that's kingdom love. You see, judgment and condemnation isn't about helping someone remove their plank. It's about standing in the place of God, and that is not our place. That's not our place. We are not to judge in that sense, nor condemn, but we are to be lovingly discerning in each other's lives. And I think there's people take this verse way out of context. Don't judge. It means I can do whatever I want and don't say anything about it. No, that's not what it means. We, are, we have permission by the Lord Jesus Christ to speak into each other's lives the truth of the Word of God in a loving way. Amen. That's what's going on. So we are to judge. Actually, Paul got upset because they were not judging one another in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 or whatever it was. He says, what are you doing? Do I have to come there myself? You're letting this stuff go on? It was a heavy situation, so they got in trouble for not taking care of things and calling it under the banner of, oh, we're so loving, when actually it was killing them. So there's a lot there. But that's not our place to judge and condemn. That's, that's, the, Lord's, that's the Lord's place. And so we aren't to be a people who are, are, are judging and condemning people according to God's definition of judging and condemning, not the world's. <clears throat> people always do, they say that, don't judge me. But we are to be discerning which Jesus gets into in just a second. But keep this in mind. If anyone uh, had the authority and the ability to judge and condemn people on earth, it was Jesus. And yet, what did he do? He held off. He said truth. He said what would happen. Yet, he didn't call down fire from heaven at that moment. Now, make no mistake. He will judge. John chapter 5, 22 says, The Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. Jesus will be the judge. He will be the judge. But he withheld his judgment and rather forgave his enemies and gave to them. And so we do likewise in this season. So back to Luke six thirty seven, Jesus teaches us how to discern uh, others and ourselves. 
How do we discern others and ourselves? So it says, do not judge, do not condemn. Well, how in the world am I supposed to look at life? How am I supposed to, how am I supposed to see things clearly? Well, he goes on, verse 43, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick free, uh, uh, figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. Pretty straightforward. The kind of tree it is determines what kind of fruit you get. The same with people. What kind of tree it is is the kind of fruit you get. Verse 45, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Read that again. Good man brings good things because good things are stored up in the heart. Evil man brings evil things because evil things are stored up in their heart, right? Boy, you could just spend like a year on that. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth overflows. Some translation, I really like that one. (laughs) What's really stored up in your heart comes out your mouth. So the question is, what's coming out your mouth? What kind of person you are will be evident by what comes out of your mouth and by what you do. What do you talk about all the time? What do you talk about all the time? Like, what's, what, you ever listen to yourself talk? That's what's in your heart. That's just it. doesn't mean we can't have hobbies and fascinations and all those things, but I mean, truly, what, what, what's in your heart comes out your mouth. I don't want to give away my secrets, but here's one of the Jedi secrets, ready? Just getting to know people, and I do talk a lot, but you just let them talk. Ask them a question, one or two questions, and you just let them talk. Counseling, same thing. Ask a couple questions, let them talk. Because what's in their heart will come out their, their mouth eventually. What they're excited about comes out their mouth. What they're thinking about will come out their mouth. They're talking. And I'm not trying to trick anybody. I just want to get to know someone, right? But you ask a question, you let them go, and then they start talking. And then they go talk about family and kids, and you go, man, this person like, loves their family and kids. You know? Or, boy, they really like the Mariners. My gosh. It's like, <clears throat> I even ask them, you know, or whatever it might be. And you ever been around someone that's just a cesspool? You ever turn on reality TV? I, I, I've, I've, I've literally watched probably like 10 minutes of a show, and I'm like, yeah, this is not for me. Um, but what's coming out of people's mouths? What's coming out of their, it's coming out of their heart, right? That's a picture of what's going on, and, and the same is true in the life of in relationships, you know? I, being around people who, there's just garbage pouring out of people's mouth. That's because the tree is rotten. It has a bunch of garbage stored up in it. It's evil. And on the other hand, there are people who are full of lo- the love of the Lord, and they are kind and patient, doing to others what they have done to them, and, and doing good for people, and blessing those who curse them, and praying for them. You see, that is because the tree is good. Their heart is good. 
and they have good stored up in their hearts, the good things that they have put into practice. They've put the Word of God, they've implanted the Word in their hearts, and it flows out. What we meditate on is, is quite often what we emulate. And so Jesus says, verse 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? The term Lord implies authority. It implies mastery. When we call Jesus as Lord, it means like he is Lord, I am not. It means whatever and whenever and however he says what he says, guess what? That's what I do. And that's what it means to be a Christian, a follower of Christ. It means that Jesus is Lord. Aren't you thankful that he's a good Lord? And many who say that they are Christians, they call Jesus Lord, they do not obey Him. They don't obey Him. They continue on in sin. They continue on in, in things, or they, they refuse to go and, and do those things. And Jesus says, why are you calling me Lord? Because Lord implies that what I teach you about loving your enemies, you're going to go do. What I teach you about um, about life and about sex and about all these other things, you know, that are really pressing on our, on our culture about terrorism and all this, that's going to be your worldview. About forgiveness. No, Lord, I want to hold grudges. I want to be bitter. Am I your Lord or am I not? Forgive. Unless you forgive from the heart, neither will your Father forgive you. Just a little incentive, motivation okay, I better forgive. Yeah, that's what's best. And you forgive and you find out, wow, I'm free. (laughs) I obeyed you. I have life. Yeah, that's right. Aren't you glad you don't have bitterness anymore? That's a supernatural work. But Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do what I'd say? You You being born again isn't just about Jesus dying on the cross in our place and taking our sins, but it's also about surrendering to Him as Lord and living that new life. This means that we follow Him wholeheartedly. And when the Lord says to repent from that, we repent because He is our life. He loves us. And Jesus said, if you love me, you obey me. Jesus' love language is obedience. Did you know that? That's John 15. This is what our church is kind of centered around. We want to glorify God You you have to love and obey Jesus Christ. Well, how do you love and obey Jesus Christ? Well, obviously, the Word is central to that. You've got to know what He says, right? Well, what about how how do I actually practically love and obey Jesus? He says, go love one another. Well, how do I do that? Let's go read and find out. Let's go find out what He says about loving one another. Oh, I've got to forgive one another. Okay, well, that guy, you know, was mad at me or something like that. So, well, let's go figure that out. Let's go... Figure out how we can forgive one another. And you just go down that path and you go, okay, let's, let's seek forgiveness. Let's seek how to worship. Let's seek how to give. Let's seek how to evangelize. Why? Because he said, and that's life. That's the new life we have. And you find joy and an overflowing abundance of it as you follow down. Yes, and resistance and rejection and loneliness and being poor, all those things, but you have life. So, we live in very interesting times when somehow we believe that Jesus is Lord as long as it feels good. As long as he doesn't tell me to break up with my girlfriend or that I must stay married and even though I'm, I'm miserable, all that type of stuff. 
that he's Lord in certain circumstances. You see, when you were baptized with Christ, you died. Your old life is gone, and now Jesus, the Lord of life, he's made you new, and what he says is your new food. It's your new food. That's how you live. Every word that he says, you just grab onto it and do it. That's how you grow. Some of us have become stunted in our walks because the Lord told us to do something we didn't obey. And he's like, all right. Come on back to me when you get that done. How many of you have kids who do that? I mean, the moment John and Ruth don't obey, we stop (laughs) until, until that gets addressed and then we move on because relationship is broken. Authority needs to be maintained. Love respects those things. So, He is our new food, and so it is totally contrary for a person who calls themselves a Christian to then be disobedient to what Jesus teaches. And so when we gather here on Sunday mornings, and Jesus says through his Holy Spirit, through the teaching of his word, to love your enemies and to love them like this, it's not a suggestion. It's authoritative. We stand under the word. I, I'm with you down there, right? We stand under the Word of God. When, when I read this to you, it's not just Matt says to do this. This is the Lord Jesus Christ, and I will be accountable for what I tell you and how I say it before Him. James says, let not many of you be teachers, for you have stricter judgment. But it is the Holy Spirit working through the gifts of the Spirit to the church to edify the church to build you up, and you must... And if in your relationship with the Lord, say, Lord, now I, I'm going to respond to what you say. I will obey you. You see, take me out of the equation and just go read your Bible and read what we said today and say, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? He'll teach you. He'll show you. He's with you. He's in you, right? Hopefully. If not, that's a whole different conversation. And so... If you see me not living that out, got to be careful about the plank now. <laughs> if you see me clearly not living that out, right? You got to have two witnesses, by the way. I've got <laughs> I guess I want to throw these verses in there. <laughs> and that means consistently, right? As a lifestyle, then, then I would be denying Jesus as Lord of my life, not as Savior, but I'm just saying that his lordship over my life would be like, yeah, whatever, God. Now, there's things I'm blind to the Lord needs to change me on. But Lord means I'm his. I am loved intensely by him. But his love language is obedience. And it was really interesting uh, that when we were putting together, our, our vision for the church is to glorify but God by loving and obeying Jesus Christ. It's really simple. Glorify God by loving and obeying Jesus Christ. Now, I wanted to put by following Jesus Christ. And the elders came back to me and, and they said, what are you trying to say? And I said, well, it's kind of like this, this, whole, this whole lifestyle. And he's like, and, and I think Marcus and the guys, they basically just said to me, you know what? We live in such ambiguity in these days. Jesus said obey. I don't think we need to improve upon that. I think we need to say it's love and obey Jesus. Amen? And so we are here to glorify God by loving and obeying Jesus Christ. 
Verse 47, let's finish this up. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show them what they're like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood came, the torrent struck, that house uh, could, uh, could not shake it. I'm sorry, the torrent, the, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. Have you built your lives upon what Jesus says? Have you built your lives upon the rock? Because the floods are going to come. The torrent will come. The cancer will come. All those types of things. Now, I don't know if the Lord's talking about right now or in the age to come when what we do is going to be tried by fire on the judgment day. So let's just say yes on both for right now because both are true. So because the floods will come, the torrents will strike, and when it does, that house cannot be shaken it could be very much on the day of judgment. First Corinthians sees by, says by the great First Corinthians three says by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, as someone else, uh, and someone else is building upon it. So uh, Paul says, I laid the gospel out to you. Now some, no one else is coming in teaching you. You're building upon it, but each one should build with care, for no one can lay a foundation. Uh, other than what is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. And if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, and costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light, the day of judgment. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what they built built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames." I want you to build with, not with, the, not with wood, hay, and stubble, but with costly stones, what Jesus says. Build your life upon it. It'll last not only in this life, but the next. We're almost done. And so, are you building your life upon what Dr. Oz says? It sounds stupid, doesn't it? It is. Go to Jesus. You know, are, 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 you, are you filling your minds with Oprah Winfrey and... and, and and Joel Osteen and all this stuff, man, just go to Jesus. Go to the Word. Dig on the rock every day. Just go to Him. Verse 49, but the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. There will be a moment, my friends, when it hits. And the reason for the foundation is so that the structure has something to stand on. Build your lives upon Jesus Christ and what he says. Don't be hearers only. Hearers only get destroyed. Hearers and doers, they have that foundation that they're built upon. Closing. I come from California. There's these things called earthquakes there. And they shake all the time down there. When I was little, um, it used to scare me because my whole house would just shake. Just and it's not a shaking like someone is shaking you. It's a shaking that's all around you. It is, is terrifying when you're, when you're little. And we had 6.0 earthquakes, which were, were, were kind of like the medium ones. And then we had bigger ones, obviously, and things. My, uh, my brother-in-law, Mike, he's the VP for a construction company that builds, um, that builds uh, uh, basically uh, auto dealerships down there. And last time I was down, I was talking about the foundations because the earthquake zones, and the closer you are to a fault, the deeper and the wider the foundation needed to be. And I was just, so I'm just, you know, mining his mind on all this stuff. And he's just talking about all the code that has to go into it. And, 
and, and, and what size earthquake something would be able to stand up at what distance and all this stuff. And, and, and the greater, the more danger, the deeper, the deeper the foundation had to be, the wider, the more rebar, certain type of rebar, all this type of stuff. You guys who've been in construction know this stuff. And <clears throat> anyways, the point is, is that the big one's coming and it will level that place. There will be much destruction. Houses will fall. People will die because foundations were not built. Or they were built out of, out of code. There was a lack of understanding of the danger. And same with us, church. There's a day coming in your life and my life, and I want you to be built upon the Word, the, the word of God so that now and on that day, not only will your rewards last, uh, but also today, when those things enter into your life, that you will stand upon the word of Jesus Christ. And many of you have been hit by that torrent, and it came like a flood, and you felt it hit, but you stood because you had your faith firmly planted on Jesus Christ. Yes, the emotions were flowing. Yes, the fear came, and all that stuff came, and the, and, and the sleepless nights and all those things came, but you stood because you're standing on Jesus Christ and His Word is sure and firm. Others of you have not and you've been swept away. Let me tell you, the Lord is a mighty rebuilder and He is ready to lay that foundation in your life right now. And so choose this day who you're going to follow. Lord, am I going to follow you or am I going to follow my own emotions or the world or this person? Choose to follow Jesus Christ. And that's my exhortation to you this morning. Get into his word. Let his word get into you and let it live it out. And by the way, I'm learning too. Lord, teach me, help me. I don't understand what you're saying here. What does this mean? How does this work out in this situation? God, I have this person. What do I do with this? I've got my own dumb things going on in my life. Lord, help. And he's faithful. He's faithful through the church. He's faithful for you. He's faithful through this quiet time with him, his Holy Spirit, through songs on the radio. He's just faithful to build you up. We're here for you. We love you. Amen? Lord God, we just we commit this teaching to you, Lord, that we would be a church built on the foundation of what you say, not just because we can check boxes and say, yay, I've been good to my enemies, but because that's, that's our relationship with you. We love you, Father, and we want to be like your son who is like you. And so, Lord, forgive us. And I know you will, <laughs> and you have, Lord. But not only that, Lord, now fill us and change us and make us more like you today, God. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, God. Give us your joy. So, Lord, we, we commit our lives to you from this day forward. Show us how to read. Show us how to open that book. Show us how to follow you. And not only to be hearers, but doers. In the name of Jesus, amen.